The information in this podcast is educational in general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. The company discussed in this episode was a personal investment of the host and no point to the host invest client accounts or advise clients to invest in this company. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of In the Market Trenches. Glad to have you back. Uh, if you're new to listening to us, remember you can check us out on our blog, www.accretivewealthpartners.com. We're also available anywhere podcasts are available. You could find us at inthemarkettrenches.podbean.com. You could find us at snn.network and you could find us on the SNN Network uh, YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash SNN Wire. Gary, good to see you. We're not in person this time. I'm kind of bummed. Good to see you. Yeah, I, 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 you have an enchanting musk and I, and I, I miss it. Um, yeah, you're, you're wearing your, uh, your podcast recording shirt. That's right. My son, for those listening, my son saw me in a collared shirt and he said, you must be going on, uh, he's six. He's like, you must be doing a, a video call. He's like, uh, he wanted to join. Maybe we'll let him pop his head in. If you hear any screaming, um, it's daddy daycare here today for me. So, oh, good for you. Yeah, I, uh, I'm at home and I have real daycare. So it's that's the uh, first week of that. It's been it's been fun. <laughs> it's been a relief. I'm envi- I'm en- en- envious. <laughs> um, so the story that we have for you today, if you recall, in our original uh, podcast. We said sometimes we're going to name the name, sometimes we're not. This one we are, um, and we're excited. We can name the name because it's no longer listed. Uh, and when Gary and I were talking about what we wanted to, to do for this week, we thought, well, we're facing a wave of corporate bankruptcies, so let's talk about a bankruptcy situation that we're involved with. Um, but still, even though it's not listed, just keep in mind that it, the time period that we're involved with, it's just a moment in time. It's not a reflection of the company before they filed, after they filed, where they stand today. This is just us recounting our experience with this company. So with that said, Gary, what are we talking about? Yeah, I think I'd also just add that, it's, that we're expressing opinions. Uh, and, uh, you know, our opinions are, of course, our own. So, uh, and this this is, uh, to be clear, we do this stuff personally, and these are personal investments. We're not advising clients to do any of this stuff. And before we get going uh, into, too far into it, I just want to make that pretty clear. But um, I want to know the name. What's the name? What are we talking about? Oh, so, t- so we're talking about Ironclad Performance Wear. Uh, yes. <laughs> is that the full name? Because I, I, I kind of forget. Ironclad Performance Wear Gloves, which was renamed uh, ICPW Liquidating Trust at some point. Right, right. (laughs) How did we find how do we find this one, Eric? So take me all uh, the way back to the beginning. uh, So the beginning. So we originally came across this name. We were at an investment conference, and I think you and I were 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 doing our rounds at various uh, corporate presentations, and we just heard. And everyone looks over. We hear the banging, and uh, there was someone at the table. With a hammer banging his hand, who <laughs> was wearing gloves, it, and that's so, how we came so to give, the name. So to give listeners some background, these conferences sometimes they'll do like uh, tables uh, where you go from table to table, meeting the different companies, and like every ten minutes or so, you would go to a, you would go to a new table, 
And every 10 minutes, like clockwork, we were hearing bang, bang, bang on the table. I'd never heard anything like it. The guy had an actual mallet and he was banging on the gloves on the table. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And so <laughs> this, was a, this was a smaller, uh, this was a conference that was focused on these uh, tidier companies. And when you go to these conferences, they're sort of like, um, I sort of liken them to entering the Star Wars cantina. You know, you got every single kind of like uh, charlatan, you know, I'm not going to say charlatan, but, uh, you know, every, every single type of uh, weird thing you could ever expect to encounter at these things. And like you and I are there, we're, we're just, it's like we wandered looking in and we're Solo. looking for Han and Chewie. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want Han Solo. <laughs> Did we find Han Solo that day? Uh, every now and then so. we come across one. I don't know if it was if we did that day. But anyway, I mean, no. we're talking about this one today, so maybe we did. Um, yeah. So anyway, I think yeah. he was the last presentation for us for that day. Yeah, we had a guy who, was, uh, who sold the prettiest modems in all the world. Remember that? His whole pitch was, we have the prettiest modems. I was like, that's, I don't understand. Uh, and then we had, uh, uh, wasn't there like another one that was like police, uh, police training, oh, yeah. like in, in like, a, mm -hmm. yeah, some yeah, other stuff, virtual whole reality. stuff like that. And then we got, then we got the guy with the mallet and we met him and we were like, this is kind of weird. And then the guy's like, just send me an email. We'll send you a free pair of gloves. And I'm like, that's sort of weird too. Like, and I never sent him an email. Did you ever get a pair of gloves, Eric? No, I, that's, I, it was all, it was a pass for me. Okay, so that so that was probably I don't know about two years before they filed. Was that does that feel about right that we, that we encountered them? Yeah, because I think it, I think they filed in twenty seventeen, and so it's probably yeah two, yeah two years before they filed. Yeah, and so we were not involved in this in any way, shape, or form until after they filed, actually. Um, and I guess just what were the reasons that they what was the reason they filed? So if I remember right, they had. Uh, tripped one of their covenants and so uh and then after they tripped one of the covenants they one of their competitors came in and bought the debt from the bank and then forced them into bankruptcy right is that so what was the, the, right? the, the covenant that they tripped was that that sounds right the covenant they tripped was they had some um internal control issues uh relating to i think revenue recognition Right. And so but as a result, they couldn't put out up-to-date financials. And that was one of the covenants that was in their loan agreement. And so one of their competitors, as you mentioned, uh, you know, basically bought the loan out from under them and served to push them, push them into a restructuring and set themselves up as the stalking horse bidder. Uh, and so the way we came about the liquidation. By the way, which is just super interesting. I, mean, I think when we talk about bankruptcy situations, we've been involved in a, in a handful of them. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about them on the podcast in future episodes. But you know, each one is kind of its own animal that you have to really look yeah. at and examine with a fine-tooth comb. And so that was just super interesting, very creative of the competitor to, to buy the debt and to push them into the bankruptcy. Um, and yeah, and they yeah. acted as a stalking horse in an auction. But they basically lo loan sharked one of their uh, one of their top competitors. It was super, I thought it was super bright. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I had not once considered that that was possible. But um, you know, if you live long enough, I guess you kind of see everything, and that's that's that, that's something that kind of goes into that everything bucket, right? Right. Um, so let's see. So they had the issues with the revenue recognition that forced them into this process. I think at that point, the CEO and the CFO were dismissed. I think a little before that, right? Yeah. Um, 
And so once they were, so I have a sort of keyword alerts set up for a variety of things. And one of them uh, is in all SEC filings, I want to see um, if the phrase stalking horse bitter or, or stalking horse uh, is, 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 you know, is, is, in, is in a filing. And whenever that happens, I just kind of give it a quick look and, you know, nine, you know, nine times out of 10 or 19, 19 times out of 20, there's not much else to really do. You just give it a look right. and you, you sort of move on with your life. Um, with this one, it was kind of interesting uh, because uh, you had this sort of, it was a unique fact pattern that resulted in this. Um, and it seemed like there was more to the process um, prior to them actually, because prior to them actually going, going, through the restru- going through this whole, this restructuring and auction and whatever else. Um, so it seemed so to me for, that... Um, for people that don't know how the bankruptcy process works, like what does it actually mean to be a stalking horse? So that, essentially, you're, you're serving as the, the, the primary bidder in, in terms of for, for a company's assets. And so if they're going to hold an auction, uh, you, know, they have to, you know, they have to go through the process to get, see if there's a superior bid out there. But if you, you're, sort of, you're sort of in the front position. And, and, so, um, and if an auction winds up developing, then you're in an auction situation. But if nobody else shows up, well, then, you know, you sort of get, you get the assets for whatever the, 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 uh, the asset purchase agreement says. And so that's that's really it. And so we sort of looked at the stocking horse uh, bid and thought, hmm, well, we're not sure that there's anything left uh, after accounting for all of the expenses to sort of wind this down and whatever else. But, you know, this company has sort of an interesting history. Maybe maybe there's some causes of action that that might be left in the estate. Um, Maybe maybe there's some other stuff going on. Um, And we sort of just kept an eye on it. And normally this this one was kind of unique in the sense that um, a lot of times when you have these these sort of restructurings, they go, they, there's a host site. Um, the host site, it's actually free to access. Um, in this instance, yeah. so they some actually of those didn't pay sites. for a host site. Yeah, and so some of those host sites, the popular ones, Prime Clerk is a popular one, KCC is a popular one. Everything goes through an official site, which is Pacer. Um, right. And so you could search for any, you search based on uh, the court system that they filed through. If you have a, um, a case ID number, you'll put that in and then you can get all the documents related to that case and all the information related to that case. What else should they know about Pacer, Gary? Pacer charges you per, per page. <laughs> it's 10 cents a page. And uh, it's up to 30 pages, so it's uh, a max of three bucks a view. But if you're not careful with it, um, it's, that's not like per document ever. It's every time you click submit. So uh, I think at some point during this process, I, I got a bill from Pacer for like $1,000. And I was like, what the <laughs> heck? <laughs> and it was just for like searching the docket. And, you know, we didn't know that, you know, that it was, you know, on a, essentially a per use basis at this point in the process, because we'd always use the host sites and those were always kind of free. Um, and so uh, we had to write letters to Pacer. We said, listen, we're not really attorneys. We're just, you know, we don't use the site all that often. And, uh, you know, we, we searched this mo- same thing multiple times a day, a number of different times. We rang up, you know, 30 bucks in charges a day, basically following <laughs> these things. We're just refreshing the screen. And so, they were kind enough to to uh, overlook uh, the vast majority of it, and, and I got to a very reasonable place with the with the with the bill for it. But it was uh, definitely a learning experience in terms of how one consumes Pacer. Yeah. Um, 
And so what we were looking so, for was it, was, it was two things. It's one, we wanted to understand what the auction process was. Um, and then two, we wanted to know the timeline for when the auction process takes place, because there's a period of time where people can sit, raise their hand and say, we want to show up to bid. There's the actual bidding process. Then there's uh, an objection deadline. Then the bidding gets finalized. And basically, the winner gets awarded. Uh, and then whatever happens next, right. happens next. And so that's what we were looking for, the timeline and the rules of the auction. Right. And so in this particular auction, uh, anybody who wanted to show up had to post a couple million bucks, right? Yep. <clears throat> so if you wanted to show up, so you had to, one, you, your incremental bid had to be $750,000 above the previous bid. So what's right. that mean? So you have the stalking horse bidder. If one bidder shows up, it has to be $750,000 more than what the stalking horse is willing to put up. Also, they had to put $2 million down just to show up. Um, anyway, right. It was refundable to them if you know, they didn't win, but they still had to show up with a bag of cash and say, we're serious. If you had two people show yeah. up, then you start getting a real auction. And so that's what we were looking for. Is there, there was a real auction going to break out. Yeah, and, and, and so basically for us, uh, we were checking the docket, trying to see, you know, what was going on with this because it uh, the, the auction, uh, there was a deadline for submitting bids for the auction. So that kind of came and went. And I don't know, it was, was it, it was around that time. It was, it was clear that uh, from the docket that we, there was not going to be one, but two additional bidders um, posting this kind of collateral with, you know, a bid that, that topped the stocking horse. And so uh, it was, pretty clear at that point that, are, that well, now that we've got three parties at the table, a real auction could break out. And that was when we got involved. That was when we decided to get involved. We didn't know how the auction was going to turn out. We didn't know uh, anything, but anything, anything really else beyond that. But um, we do know the dynamics and, and human behavior. If these companies went through all this trouble to go and put through a bid and post the collateral, that they were, that they were serious buyers. And they were, they were also, uh, they were, they were not, financial sponsors, like, like a private equity firm, these were um, competitors. And there were some real synergies to be had by folding, you know, this, this company had problems, but it did have a real operation. So there were definitely some synergies to fold in there. And so what wound up happening was, uh, you know, we, we didn't know how the auction was going to turn out, but we felt good enough to do something. And uh, what did we learn a couple days later? Uh, about a week later, they had the auction. A couple days after that, we learned that it was the uh, you know, the, the top, the, the resulting, uh, the result of the auction was, was not so bad. Right. Right. And I thought what was interesting is all through, uh, throughout the way they, you had multiple entry points. It wasn't, if you were vigorously refreshing the screen, like we were, um, and you were kind of the, you knew what you're looking for and you're probably one of the first to see it after the attorneys, the judges and whoever else was involved. I mean, you were still able to buy at decent prices. So what the, you know, the first point was when we learned that there were other bidders showing up and even after they announced what the final results were for the bidding process, the, there is a lag between when the stock reacted and when the news hit the or when the, when the document hit the docket. Yeah, so I mean, so what we found in these things is that there's oftentimes a good amount of latency between when there's when something is out there and when people figure it out. And so sometimes, if you're paying close enough attention, there's an advantage in paying close enough attention, and that you can come up with an analysis and figure out what's going on. 
uh, just a little bit, just a little bit quicker. And uh, you know, for us, we had we had some estimate of what we thought the wind down costs were going to be. We had some estimate of what we thought the claims were going to be. And uh, ultimately, the auction result was, um, you know, it, 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 we, we felt it put the, the equity in the money. Uh, and we weren't sure quite, quite how far in the money, but we felt like it was pretty well, pretty well in the money. And um, that was before considering, you know, maybe if there were some, you know, legal rights that stayed in the estate that maybe that might, that might accrue. Of course, you have to offset that sum with maybe the cost to pursue that stuff. So we really didn't know it. We sort of just we put a big question mark there in terms of how much they would spend versus how much they would get. Uh, but the good news was after they had a successful auction, um, there was a a trustee appointed and um, a committee of some a couple shareholders uh, that had some a decent stake uh, that were going to sort of oversee, you know, how things progressed from there. And so. Uh, what else am I forgetting? Um, so I'd say the other thing to keep in mind with some of these bankruptcy situations is, you know, oftentimes they'll delist. And so you may see the shares get removed from your account and replaced with a QSIP. Um, so if you want to know if it's going to delist, you could always check out FINRA's daily list and uh, it'll, it'll tell you, you could search the symbol. It'll tell you what's going on with the symbol. Um, it'll give you the details. I'm sure in a later podcast, we'll go through how to actually look at FINRA's daily list and, and go through that and what all the codes mean, because we had another interesting situation with that. Um, but you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll understand what's going on in your brokerage account. And then as you get that QSIP, if the equity was entitled to any money, they'll distribute it through the DTC system. And that's how you will if it goes through DTC, that's how you would eventually get paid as an equity holder. Well, yeah, and you got to be you got to be sort of careful because the custodians, some of them, all of them, sort of treat this stuff just a little bit differently, right? Yeah, and so I'll talk about my personal experience here, and this is what I learned: um, is you really, if you get involved with these, you have to carefully document exactly what's happening. So I use multiple custodians just because you know, I want to understand what the experience is at different custodians and they handle this stuff differently. Um, so one of my custodians actually removed the symbol and removed the QSIP from my account. Now I was sitting here as an equity holder thinking, well, I think I'm entitled to a distribution in the future. And the response I got was, well, if you are, we'll, you know, we'll figure it out and we'll make sure you get your money. Um, another custodian kept the trust up in the account. Yeah, trust us. Um, that's essentially what they said. Another custodian actually kept the symbol in there, which I thought was kind of weird that there wasn't a best practices across custodians. So I ended up writing a letter to the one custodian and just outlined to them and said, hey, you know, this is what another custodian did. I really think you made a mistake here. Um, and again, they just said, no, trust us. So I just kept a copy of that letter. I printed out the most recent account statement that showed them removing the, the QSIP from my account, showed the quantity of shares I had, which was fine. Um, eventually, a distribution got paid. I know because the custodian that kept the QSIP in my account, the cash hit. And uh, so it was like, okay, great. Uh, and I went to the other custodian, no cash you know, for day one, day two, day three. So I reached out to them and they said, yeah, no, no, we don't, we don't see anything. Um, we don't see anything that you know that that company is filed for bankruptcy there are no distributions yeah not quite um here you go and so uh you know i just sent them a big packet yeah. of information i asked them to put the q back in my account they didn't 
uh, a second distribution came through. I knew again because the custodian that had the QSIP told me and the other custodian mm -hmm. said, ah, it was just the same process. And so you really have to stay on top of this stuff. Um, I was also yeah. in communication with the plan trustee who was great. Um, I would say, don't be afraid to reach out to these trustees. You want to know the parties that are involved. You want to know who represents the company that filed for bankruptcy. You want to know who the trustee or the plan administrator is. Feel free to, you're an equity holder. Um, ask questions. They get questions all the time. Um, and so it, it, that's okay. And it makes you more informed and it gives you more ammunition if you got stuck in the situation that I was in. And so I actually got something written from the, from the trustee uh, to explain what the distribution was. I was able to hand that to the custodian and eventually the cash found its way to my bank, to the brokerage account. But there's a little bit of a battle. Yeah. I think it just sort of highlights how these things are all sort of like the wild, wild west. So you got to be very, very careful, very cautious, take good notes. Uh, the other thing I've noticed about sort of, because we've, we've done a number of these sort of liquidation type situations. I, I sort of think of them as just like the, the, the essence of a cigar, but uh, if, if you're if you're doing it, uh, but sort of as these things sort of disappear, um, you know, there's there there are a lot of folks that are writing the postscript to these stories so that they're well understood. It's, there's a lot of a lot of tribal knowledge as it relates to these sorts of things. And when you've seen one, my experience is that when you've seen one, you've seen one. Um, you know, the process tends to be somewhat similar, but sort of all the various iterations and permutations of how these things can play out can be kind of different. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a, you know, like I said, for us, these, these are, these are things that we only do personally. And it's for that reason, because, uh, you know, these things can go all sorts of different ways. I think that, you know, we've been one part lucky and uh, over time in terms of, you know, some of the experiences that we've had, you know, we've learned a lot and, you know, it didn't, you know, cost us too much. And so, uh, but when you've seen one of these, you've seen one of these, and you know the, these these all 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 kind of have their own little tribal history. And uh, I think you and I, as as having done a number of these, we've sort of built up that knowledge bank of experiences that we've had, and uh, we've been pretty good at being able to uh, navigate the process and uh, sort of figure some stuff out. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then. Before these companies usually delist, you also you, know, you do have the last chance to get out, um, and that's kind of your last source of liquidity. Uh, but once it delists, you're kind of you're locked in, for better or for worse. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you don't get a lot of, you don't hear a lot of postmortems on these things. Um, and yeah, there's definitely some tribal knowledge uh, for when uh, in this space. It's a very nuanced space, and it's very tricky. Um, so just be careful. The, before the, the interesting thing about it is like if, if you start to venture sort of into it a bit and you, you, you meet some of the people, you know, we've met, we've met some really, really smart people along the way as a result of sort of being involved in some of these weird things. And so, mm -hmm. you know, not only have we learned from the experiences, but we've met some smart people and they, and they've also either taught us things or helped us learn something or, you know, you know, whatever. So it's, it's, it was in terms of uh, for us, uh, the the whole experience of going through it, and not only we're we learning things from the primary experience, but we're also sort of building a network of people that we we know that are interesting and thoughtful and smart. Yep, yep, yeah. Overall, it's been a great experience uh, so far. Um, we'll see what the future has in store. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, it's, it's, it's been a good experience uh, when, you, when you take it in the full broadest context of everything that's gone on. You know, some of these aren't yeah. worth the trouble. Uh, some of the, uh, <laughs> I would say that <laughs> for a later episode, we've had some experience with that. I said for a later episode, we could talk about that. Oh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, but a lot of these aren't, <laughs> a lot of these aren't worth the, aren't worth the trouble. Uh, and so, you know, we've been sort of a little, a little bit lucky in the, in the sense that we've, we've, we've done an okay job at navigating this. Anything else that no. uh, listeners need to need to know? I don't know. Uh, can you think of anything? Tread carefully. Document a lot. Know what you're looking at. Be careful. Um, yeah, and that's, that's that's really it. Do your homework. Hmm. Wear gloves. Yeah. Yeah. Wear gloves. Very close. Thanks, Bobby. Uh, <laughs> okay, you want to you want to take us home, Eric? Sure. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, we, like I said, we've been involved in a couple of bankruptcy situations. They're all kind of unique in their own right. We'll talk about a few others in later episodes. Um, thank you again for listening. Uh, remember to check us out on our blog, www.acredovaultpartners.com. We're available anywhere podcasts are available. Feel free to rate and review us. You can find us at inthemarkettrenches.podbean.com. You can find us at snn.network. You can find us on the SNN uh, YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash snnwire. Thanks again, for everyone, for listening to us. We really enjoy doing these. We look forward to sharing next week's episode with you. We're going to have a guest for you next week. Really excited to have him on. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, Gary, anything else? Is that a wrap? I have nothing to add. All right, that's a wrap. Talk to you guys next week. The information in this podcast is educational in general nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.